The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I am the co-founder with my husband, Steve Siegel, and your host for these interviews. If you've been watching it um, more than a couple times, you're probably sick of seeing me, but it's me. I'm the host, and today's episode is episode number 345. Today we have an interview with a gentleman named Lang Martinez. Lang is a returning NASCA family member. NASCA stands for National Association of Survivors of Child Abuse. When the topic of homelessness is brought up in Ventura County, a single name comes quickly to mind, Lang Martinez. Martinez has built a reputation for himself as a known homeless advocate to have come from the same streets he now walks through with his head held high. His peer-to-peer approach has cemented his name among other professionals in this field. Lang is an ambassador advocate for survivors of sexual abuse, the 12-step program, and recently celebrated his five-year celebration of living drug and alcohol free. Well done, Lang. He continues to be a persistent advocate for those experiencing chronic homelessness and believes that if he can recover, others can too. Excuse me. Today, Lang shares his story of what it takes to recover from a serious methamphetamine addiction that left him homeless and dead on the streets of Oxnard, almost dead. Lang Martinez, Lang Martinez is fighting for his life. He's fighting to stay sober. He's fighting to stay out of prison. He's fighting sudden blindness and a civil court case against the man who raped him as a child. On the flip side, he has surrounded himself with surrogate professionals who believe Lang can survive. Without further ado, let's talk to Lang Martinez. Lang Martinez, thank you for being willing to be on the podcast today and sharing your story with us. I know that it's quite the story. Yes, ma'am. It's an honor being here and actually meeting you in person. It was Thank you. Yes. I should let the listeners know that my son had a film premiere recently and Lang came to Los Angeles to the film premiere. And so I got to meet him in person, which was really, really nice. I appreciate you doing that as well. Well, yeah, it, it, it was definitely an honor. And I, I you know, you got to look back, uh, you know, five years ago or in my addiction for 30 years to, to be invited to a place such as that in the event what was like a child waking up talking to Santa Claus and open asking for the blue bicycle and you got it because I'm 60 years old and I got to meet you and see those people and sit there and watch a film that was a preview and it was like I just sat there and I said wow you know what God is good and the program's good and the people that love me are good and I'm very blessed it was an honor man you've come a long way baby (laughs) okay so take us back tell us where you grew up what your childhood was like and yeah talk tell us about you well you know i grew up uh, i was originally i was born in in inglewood and uh ended up moving to westchester which is a it's a beach area over i played del rey ready del rey it's on you know west side los angeles redondo manhattan so i ended up eventually i went to parochial school and for parochial school, I ended up going into uh, public schools over Wright and then Westchester. But the thing with me growing up is um, I didn't find out I was Mexican until I was 11 years old. And the way that I found out 
was really traumatic. But my father that adopted me, I mean that my father, his name's Huff, so my name legally is, it's Martinez, but I went by the name Huff because I didn't know any better. I was baptized. And back in the day, if you were baptized, it's on your baptismal, that's your name. I'm Lane Huff. So I had two stepbrothers. I had a stepbrother and a stepsister. And they didn't get the things that I got from my Martinez family. So there's an article that I was blessed that was written. It was called Ventura County Homeless Advocate Seeks Redemption. And Mark Alvarado wrote it. And he did a deep dive into my my my, my family, my, my past, and what makes Lane tip. Well, I'm connected to my Martinez family. My grandfather was one of the head people of the newspaper La Pinion. It's the largest Hispanic newspaper in the United States, and it's now owned by the LA Times. So my mom was 15 and a half years old, and she went to Westchester High School. And my father, Horacio, was a good-looking man, and uh, he pulled up to my mom, and uh, he said, would you like some candy, little girl? My mom was broken as well, you know. You know, her father did some things to her. Hmm. So my mom meets this guy. He's 15 and a half. She's 15 and a half. And he already has a home and connected to the law. Pignon. He's a Martinez, good looking guy. My mom ends up getting pregnant with me. So my mom got pregnant at the age of 15 and a half. And during her pregnancy, my mom's mom, my mom's mom died when my mom was pregnant with me. And my mom had issues because she thought it was God. And, you know, my mom actually walked into a church and she told everybody how she felt about God, especially taking her mother with me in her stomach. Well, when my mom gave birth to me, as women do, my mom put on some weight. So what happened is my father being a um, all about himself and very ego and, and very vain, my father didn't want my mom to have on that excess weight having a child. He even went and got a vasectomy. So he basically never wanted me. And then what he did is uh, he put locks, his locks on the refrigerator and on the cupboard. And he wanted to make my mom go outside and do jumping jacks or whatever to lose weight. And eventually my dad, my real father, ended up pulling up in the driveway with another woman in the car. And my mom packed up my great-grandmother my grandmother's passed away, but my great-grandmother was with us, and she packed us up, and um, and they moved to a, uh, you know, obviously my father owned the home, and my mom didn't want to take it, and she packed up, and she took me and my, gra my great-grandmother and got an apartment in Westchester, and my mom started, and back in the day, the term was sling hash. She became a waitress, and my mom, she loved me, so... The Martinez family came in and said, uh, you can't raise Lang. We offer Lang, you know, college, you know, you know, we have money and uh, you're too young. You're a little girl. He's, you know, you're, you're as a child. Well, we'll take Lang. And they, my mom said, no. Hmm. My mom said, no, you're not. So, you know, being young and my mom loving me, wanted to put in a father in my life, my mom ended up marrying a, a man who did love me, never put hands on me or my mother. But we married into a family of wolves, the, my Huff family. So they were white people. I mean, I was raised white, so I'm not trying to be racist, but, you know, white. And they knew that I had this name, Martinez, you know. Right. So they were alcoholics, and being alcoholics, they were vicious. And um, 
I, I, I took some abuse from them. I took some abuse from uh, my, my uncles and, and my, and one of my uncles was very racist and, uh, and uh, he did bad things. His name was Skip. And then hang, being around the alcohol family, you know, going to the lakes and cores of beer and all that. I used to hang out with my, my cousin Rodney and uh, my cousin Rodney was my favorite. He's, you know, on the health side. And my aunt Sandy was a beautiful, she was an aunt, she was beautiful, blonde hair, blue eyes. And it's like a young kids has a crush on her aunt. And she was drinking one day and my cousin and I were playing the slot car tracks. I think they were called Tycho back then. And uh, my aunt Sandy says to me, she says, uh, Lang, uh, did you know that Rodney's father's the mailman? And I said, what are you talking about, Aunt Sandy? Well, yeah, he's the mailman. My brother, Gary, isn't your father. You're a Mexican. And the whole world came crashing down. I'm confused. I'm confused. Mm. I'm very confused. So I was a part of something that wasn't right. But now, now I'm on the outside. Really, I'm 11 years old. I get in the car. I asked my mom and... Uh, she says, we're going to go talk to your dad. So my dad told me the truth. And he said that it, no matter what, you're my son. And and that's the man that raised me, even mm. though it was dysfunctional. So growing up in a situation like that and talking about the parochial school, having a stepbrother and sister, you still have the Martinez family, you know, kicking in with child support, making sure Lang has the best things, you know, old shorts. Lang went to parochial school, Lang got braces, and the other siblings didn't get that. Mm. So when it came to Sundays, you know, when, when I'm in a parochial school, the shepherd, I'm the one going to church. Sometimes. The hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. Appreciate you listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. We don't do this podcast because we are former addicts. We don't do this podcast because we have loved ones who have suffered from addiction. We do this podcast because we feel that addiction is one of the biggest problems facing the world today, and that no matter who you are, no matter your religion, no matter your income status, no matter your race, no matter anything about you, addiction affects you. This podcast is a free resource for anybody looking for help with addiction. If you would like to contribute to our podcast, please go to bit.ly slash fight drugs. That's HTTPS colon slash slash B-I-T dot L-Y slash fight drugs and make a donation of whatever amount you would like. Thank you for supporting us. I got to go to church. You know what I mean? Why are you going to church? Yep. They're not going to church. So I was confused in there. You know, I even had problems there as well. 
Yes, ma'am. No, I, I, all I was going to say was you were sexually abused, weren't you? Well, you know how, how that story goes. Is, uh, and you don't have to go into the details of it if you don't want well, to. Yeah. Well, I, I think the details, you know, it's what I do as far as, you know, both being a homeless advocate and also, you know, being under umbrellas like Children of the Night and, and being part of NASCA, you know, National Association of Adult Survivors, Child Abuse. You know, I'm, I'm, a, um, I'm an ambassador for them. I'm a speaker and I've done some stuff with them as well, Bill Murray. When I was 17 years old, I was uh, going to high school, uh, racing BMX, and um, and I had a job at, at, a, at a bike shop. And uh, these guys tell me about this, about this job. So I'm gonna be a little careful because I have one of the first cases, but we'll get into it, about this job. So I quit the bike shop, I, I go to work for this place and uh, this guy's a major cocaine dealer. He, he's Hollywood. And um, so you got young boys there. And um, and uh, and what's happened is you do lines on these mirrors when you custom and you cut this glass. And, you know, some of it, you would get deducted from your check, you know, from the workers. You know, back then a quarter gram was 25, a gram was 100. You're making, what, a buck, dollar seventy-five an hour or whatever. You know what I mean? You're not making really any money. And um, doing cocaine, you know, I remember I split and got a half gram from a friend of mine. With me, you got a half gram, drank some Michelob's, and it was the greatest thing, cocaine. You know, you had that Peruvian plate back in the day. You know, it, it was the best. You know, your teeth were going numb and you're drinking beers. and But it's $50, so, you know, you got to split a half gram and it don't go very far. Right. So this guy took a liking to me. And... Uh, that's what that's what these people do is they groom. So, broken home, working there, got the attitude, uh, putting on the facade, and he calls me to the side. He says, um, "Would you like to learn the cocaine trade?" Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, yeah. So he taught me everything there was about the coke. And, and, and how to cut it, how to bag it, and how to sell it. And and I, and I, I wanted Hollywood. So um, at that time, we were going to a place called The Odyssey. My story is connected to uh, Eddie Nash. Yeah, I don't know if you remember the movie uh, Wonderland, The Wonderland Murders. I've heard of it, but I don't know if I've seen it. But anyway, right. go ahead. Eddie Nash back in the 80s was uh, a known gangster. Uh, he had all the cocaine, uh, owned nightclubs. He owned the Odyssey, the Troubadour. He owned, he owned quite a few clubs, strip clubs. He was in the porno business. And um, he had this club, and it was a club for all ages. All ages. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. So... From 10 o'clock to 5 o'clock in the morning, you have all ages. And then you have the bar, so you have adults there as well. So 
I'm I'm working for this guy and he's getting his stuff from this man and and I'm 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 selling cocaine in the club. And, you know, twenty eight grams you're putting on twenty eight. That's a hundred. You're pulling fifty six hundred dollars on an ounce. Or if you're doing the big quantities, I'm taking it. I had people to protect me. And he was bisexual, but I had a girlfriend, so he knew that. But in this club, the Odyssey, it was broken people. It's Hollywood, you know, mm-hmm. stars, kids, uh, runaways, uh, you know, you know, every, everything, you know, whether you have it was homosexual, bisexual, trisexual, heterosexual, everybody was there. It was a lot of young people having a good time. So I was, I was there. So eventually, um, being in that club, you know, I told that story in one of the articles, Hollywood didn't want it, is, is I, I saw what took place. And then while it was taking place, you know, being a part of that world, it, I, I didn't really understand. You know what I mean? I mean, young, young men, young women, men having relationships with older guys, you know, uh, you know, that's what took place back then. Mm-hmm. You know, it was crazy, you know. So eventually what happened was, is uh, my mom put on an investigation and I can talk about that. She wrote, uh, it was an article I wrote, uh, it was called The Truth About Nobody Knows About My Sexual Abuse. I only wrote that because of the conversation that I had so I could release it because of who he is. So I do have the first case in California that goes back 42 years and it names the perpetrator. His name's Kevin Scott Hamilton. So it names it. So my Google, so I'm not saying anything. So we're in Superior yep. Court now. Yeah. So what I'm talking about the crimes that he committed there. So what happened eventually is uh, my mom loved me so much that she pulled the crime. She was watching the place, and this I can't talk about. I wrote it in the article, and because uh, I spoke to him, and my mom had my sister in the car. My mom pulls up, and she puts a gun to his head, and she says, uh, "I want you to stay away from my property." And um, he ended up whispering something in her ear, and she left. And my sister was in the car, and um, and there was some things happened. So to speed it up a little bit, not to speed up, so fast forward. It, it, it was nineteen eighty one. I was at uh, a share concert. Share was with Les Dudak at that time, right after she, you know, she divorced Greg Allman, and she was going with a guy named you know Les Dudak. Les Dudak had a band called the Black Rose. And Cher did that album. It's called Black Rose. So I, I was there. So what happened is this man eventually, uh, after that concert, he raped me at he raped me at, at gunpoint. Wow. He raped me at gunpoint. And you were how old by then? I was seventeen. Oh man. So I, I was being groomed the whole time, just like everybody else, and it's not mm-hmm. going to happen to me. But these individuals you know, being with part of uh, you know NASCA. You know, things are speaking on it with people that make me understand. It was a whole pro- process of grooming, you know, because what happens in a situation like this is, is uh, you're, you're groomed. I love you. Um, you know, you couldn't have anything. You know, you protect me. Uh, you know, having a relationship with a man isn't the same with a woman. You know, we can go play basketball. You know, it was, it was a process, you know. And, yep. Yep. and then it came down to the issue because of my mother's involvement. And eventually, you know, it, it, it ended up happening again so i was very fortunate because of the laws that we were able to go back and go after this guy because it it was a recessed memory because in my stories 
I've had sobriety three times five years. Why the five years? I never knew. Lang did you do the program? Lang did you do the step? Lang, 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 lang. Yeah, I just couldn't fucking take the pain. Right. Well, I, I figured out what the pain was back in 2018. My sobriety dates July 25th, 2018. And where I was at, homeless down there, Fernando Western, you know, a lot of things happened and, and, and I knew what happened to me. It was something that, that's always been there. So I well, got something like over. that that's that traumatic, I can totally understand why the mind just covers it up because that's a very heavy duty thing for a young man to have to confront. Well, yeah, it, it's, it, it's a lot, you know, and, you know, and working in addiction, you know, you, you know, you saw my file, you know, working with the homeless or working with other survivors or, or being a speaker on, uh, on the subject. I, I now know that, that unless for, you know, male, you know, I, I talked about this woman in one of the interviews I did, but for myself, to speak for myself and as a man, well, if you look at the program of Alcoholics Anonymous or any 12-step program, they want, they want to give you stats, you know, 5% after five years, two you be after whatever. And, 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 I, and I understand why it was that 95%, you know, five years, bam, five years, bam. So what I did is I had to, under, I had to get transparent and I had to get honest and, and I had to be able to tell that story and I had to work on myself on a professional, you know, whether it's through church, God, number one, church, the 12 steps, I love the 12 steps. You know, I apply it, the 12 steps, I love the promises, the traditions. It does say God 400 times, mm-hmm. so I, I do believe in God. I'm, that's what I choose. You know, when I cried out to God, I said, God, will you save my life? I'll give it all back to you. That's what I try to do on a daily basis. I, I give them to him what he's given me, and that's my life. So, Lang, how did I, you – wait a minute. I'm going to take you back. So when this whole happened, the rape and the horror – horror were you were you addicted at that point or did you become addicted after that well no it, 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 it was it was like it was like that song Snowblind. yeah you were doing all the coke you could do i mean you were okay you were you were cutting rails you back then you were taking the quaaludes you know the more seven one fours you know you were drinking dollar beers because you had money those were heinekens back then they were called dollar beers because even back then in the 80s green beers they were a dollar so it was part of that whole thing you know so i i got to um be a part of the scene. You know, I met lots of stars. I sold to them. Uh, and uh, it, it was just crazy back then. And then Freebasin came out. Mm. You know, that's what, you know, I ended up, that's what the ether. And then you separate, you pull it. And I ended up actually going on a, on a run one time down to the valley. And I, I ended up doing a drop-off to uh, Richard Pryor. Mm. And he was sitting in the left in his boxes, had a towel, hair was out. And, he was calling for somebody, you know, was he here? Yeah. Okay. So how did you get out of that scene? What, what, how did you get out of that? Well, I ended up, uh, I ended up getting, uh, I ended up getting arrested. Okay. Uh, FDA just right before, you know, a few months before I turned uh, 18. I got down, taken down to Eagle with PD with somebody that protected me. And um, I ended up, uh, I had, a, I had a gun. And uh, things were happening and uh, not killing anybody, but I had a weapon. Somebody basically saved me. And I ended up getting beat up by Eagle PD. And then I ended up getting transferred to uh, Daniel Freeman Hospital. My aunt was the chief of staff there. And so by her being that, my parents came. They took care of me. And then I ended up going to Westwood Hospital 
because I wasn't 18 yet. So to get control of me and give me the help, I went to a hospital down in, you know, the nice area of San Marco, Barrington and Bundy. Yeah. Okay. And you, did you graduate high school or? No, no, no I told okay. you, no, I left school at 11th grade to, to do okay. this. Okay. Yeah. So, so they got you out and got you in the hospital and what happened then after that? Well, I, I, you know, I got out of the hospital and, uh, you know, no longer had that girlfriend, met somebody, I think I'm 19, uh, always been involved in sales. Uh, so I ended up getting a job as a salesman, but what happened is being an addict and, and talking about, uh, the disease itself, I, I ended up using cocaine again, mm. you know, I ended up buying cocaine quarter grams. I ended up start freebasing. I'm losing a job. I'm losing apartments. Uh, all kinds of things are happening. And I, I do what I do best in my addiction is uh, I'm a thief. I, I, I steal from, you know, I steal from stores. I'm a boost. Uh, I talk about okay. that. Not, not an armed robber. I'm, I'm yep. a petty ass. Back yep. then you steal, you go to prison, but you know, you're stealing and you're, you know, you're doing refunds to get the money to stay in hotels and yeah. get connection. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that ended up in 86, it caught up to me and I ended up going to prison the first time. And how long were you there? I, I did 16 months. I, I did 16 months uh, the first time. Did I, you get I got clean out. while you were in? Well, yeah, I got clean when, when I went in and then I got dirty when I got out. Got I it. mean, I got, I got reviolated, you know, when I when, after 59 days. Okay. You know, I went back, you know, I... You know, I, I, you know, we're talking about the, the whole thing, so I've been very transparent. I, I have four past prison numbers. Okay. I have four California numbers. I've done probably a little over 15 years in the penitentiary. I've done maybe three years or four, three years in, in county jails. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So, you know, one of the, we call this podcast the point of no return because what we like former users to share with us is at what point did you kind of get that realization where you were either going to get clean and sober or spend the rest of your life in jail or die? What, what happened to cause that? You know, we, we, we talk about, you know, in a, me, you know, in my story, in my addiction, you lose family members, you lose friends, you know, nobody wants to be around you. People are locking the doors, calling the police on you. You know, you're, you're a menace. And, um, uh, God always put people in my life that cared about me. So, so I, I kind of call it about God's angels that didn't let me fall. Hmm. You know, it was a process, you know, I met people in downtown. So it started that it started going, being homeless and getting picked up and, and going to a, um, to serenity by the sea. It was a convention for AA. Uh, met my sponsor. He took me home. I knew I needed a program, but he was there. You know, we're still together today. Hmm. Uh, got in LA. Um, uh, it was really crazy. You go out this 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 shelter called First to Serve, and you would see chalk lines and people dead around oh. the corner with master burgers. I'm there, you know, in the crip area called Roman Sixties. I'm surviving because of my prison background, you know, and um, going down alleys and uh, and that's what triggered me is that going down the alley. Uh, there was a uh, a black girl, Coco, and she was a, a street girl and she was sleeping on this couch and she didn't get no money that day. But people were coming by and they were, they were, they wanted favors from her all night long. And it, 
it triggered and I knew what happened to me and uh, that happened. And then uh, I was at this, uh, I think I just got to tell them the story. I was in the shelter and I had black people that believed in me. They actually gave them, they couldn't love themselves. And they told me I was better than that. And for me to get some help or bad things were going to happen to me. They said, like, you're better than this. And um, I ended up making some calls and I had a heartbeat of about 17, 18 beats a minute. It's okay. It's okay. And I ended up, uh, I ended up calling uh, somebody on the phone, and they said, uh, "Lang, you're gonna die." I said, "I can't close my eyes." They said, "You, you got, you gotta go." And, and I, and I, I, I said, "God, I'm begging you. I, I, I just want you, please, please." I didn't want to die on that street, burning in Western in that alley without having an ID on me. And, and being a, a John Doe and not giving anything back to God or, or to you people. And all I did was ever take. And there's a saying, it's called about going, it's called going out half-ass backwards, you know, going out half-ass backwards. I didn't want to do that. I was better. And I ended up getting in the act and on July 25th, 2018. And I, 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 I was in bad shape and they took me and uh, they, they broke the rules for me. It's a county facility, you know, like county program and kind of like a jail setting, which is perfect for laying. And I, 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 I did the program. And then when I came back, I went and saw everybody I could and say, see, I, Hey, well, Lang, can you go? Yeah. And then I ended up getting a job for the guy that, that helped me when I was in the alley. And I ended up owning a, his business, Ron Freeman. And then uh, I used to be homeless at churches, ma'am. And uh, the reason I, I slept at churches because I lost, because God forsaken me, you know. You know, I've been sober three times. I've had families. I've had businesses. I've had money. I, it's all gone. God, why? So being homeless, caught up in addiction, trying to find what is it that, that I've lost? What's wrong with me? So I'd stay at churches and sometimes pastors would come out and say, you got 30 seconds to get out. And I said, why should I get it? You know, we'll, we'll call the police. Maybe I'm here for a reason. They buy me food. Well, eventually I went to this one church before this, we're backing up a little bit. And I, I won't go down the church and uh, there's a pastor up there and he comes down the stairs and uh, I, I'm backing up a little bit. So he says, okay. well, he says, what's your name? Lang? And, can I use the bathroom? I got to get cleaned up so I can go hit another lick. That means steal. I got proles running for me. And the bottom line is he gave me his lunch. He gave me his socks. Pastor Gill, and I'm part of that church today. He's a mentor. And uh, and he said, Lang, he said, why don't you go turn yourself in? And he said, before we do, can I pray for you? And he said, Lang, just look up. And when he looked up, I, I saw his eyes. So all these played in part until that day I got sober. Yeah. So when I came back here to Ventura County, Oxnard, it made a big noise, you know, because I was homeless, slobbering on myself. You know, I still suffer from some of the, you know, some from, from the effects of what it's done to me. And I started speaking to council members to, to council. And and then Pastor Gill one day met me in front of this 
my my office where I was working, and in the park there's like 60 homeless people where I used to be. And Pastor Gill says, look, Lane, and I didn't want to look. Nobody does. And I'm looking, and he said, Lang, he goes, that's your calling. And I said, not me. So I ended up being in a in humanizing the homelessness, speaking at councils. That was May 9th, 2019. The first article to ever go out in Ventura County was uh, Nobody Knows But Me. Number It's part of a series, uh, you know, homelessness in Oxnard. And then, and then finally, number three was being in a recovery magazine with Keys to Recovery. And then all of a sudden, it just started hitting different things. And I interviewed. And I started fighting it for services here in Ventura County. So it you know, was your calling. It was yeah. your calling. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm a different kind of advocate because I believe in accountability. I believe that if I can do it, you can too. Right. You know, I did, I did something with, you know, California Insider, as you know. And the guy asked me a question. I said, well, you know, giving people free rides and stuff like that, it's not going to work. You have to want, you have to put as much into what the, what you were doing and your addiction into your recovery. That's you right. have to get somewhere in your head. You have to know this is broken. And as I said, it's a bad neighborhood. Don't go in it alone. Just yes. say something. You know, there's a saying in jail, closed mouth, don't get fed. Same thing in the program. Same thing as people reaching out. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to bless on the show if I didn't reach out to you. I'm yep. trying to give something back yep. that's given to me. So, so. I'm a different kind of advocate. So when when I go into outreach or I do stuff, you know, whether it's with officials or L.A. or wherever, I'm not doing it right now. I wrote, yeah, I'm not. It's kind of dangerous right now for me. So doing that, people said to me, well, what do you do this? When I go into homeless encampments or I go in areas where the homeless are, it's not about feeling good. Right. People go down there. They want to feed them. They go home and they feel good. And daddy, did you feed those? Oh, honey, praise God. Well, you know what? You did that to feel good. I didn't. When I go down there, I'm going down there to plant the seed that you can have what I want. All you got to do is ask me. I can't tell you. And then you got to have knowledge of who to connect to for the services. Right. You got to be able to guide them. So the program says, you know, this program was to be suggested only. Well, you can't suggest anything to a person like me. I don't know about you or others, but if you suggest <laughs> something to me, it's going to be all bad. Because I'm like a little child. you got to give me direction and tell me and then yell at me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, I, they, and, I, and I have a village of people that give me direction every day. Yeah. She really done that, Lane? You know, I told you not to, but you did it your way. Yeah, I did. And how's it feel? Not too good. <laughs> Don't be suggesting nothing to me. Can't tell you anything. <laughs> no, you got to tell me. Don't suggest it. Okay, tell well, you, not suggest it. I'll remember this that. Still, this thing's still broken. I've always been honest about that. So just help guide me and give me some direction. Don't suggest yeah. nothing because if you've been around, you've been doing this thing, you know better than I do. And that, and I have to understand it. So I got to push ego out of the way and take some direction from you because right. I mess it up. Right. Well, first of all, very, very well done on more than six years sobriety. Five, five yeah, years five. sobriety. That's because yeah. I know that's not easy. I've told, I have interviewed, I don't have my own personal history, but I've interviewed enough people yeah. who were former addicts to know that it's not an easy walk in the park to stay clean and sober. And so very well done you, but even Thank more you. than that, you know, well done for what you're doing for society and helping others besides yourself. 
Um, that's it's huge, Lang, that you do something like that. Well, you know, um, you know, one of the things I know you have a lot of listeners, and you know, and is number one, um, I, I go to meetings. Number two, I'm very dedicated to the church. Three, I do get mental health. I do see somebody on a regular basis. You know what I mean? And and, and the the most important thing is that I keep my promise. Every day I ask for God to put somebody in my life, and they do. Because unless you get out of self, you start going looking back at yourself, it's a bad situation. you got to give it back. You have to. And I'm scared. I mean, I really am scared. I'm scared that if I don't keep my promise to God, I'm scared of going back there. Yep. And, and I know that if I continue to do what I'm doing, right, tomorrow's going to be okay. I'm not going to use. But I do know when people talk about, you know, I'm a recovering, I say my name's Lang Martinez, I'm a recovering addict, alcoholic, I'm recovering, right? I'm not like Martinez, alcoholic or addict, and when I speak at 12-step or whatever, they get kind of upset, but no, I'm recovering. No, I disagree with them. I agree with you. You are in right. recovery. Right. I, I think that that should be the message. I, I right. When you continuously say over and over again, I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic, what are you? You're an addict. I, right, You're an right. alcoholic. Right, and, and, and I believe in God. And if God and I believe in miracles because I believe I am a miracle. I believe we all are. Yeah. I know my, you know, I know what I've been through. I've I've seen it, and I know where I'm at today. So I know God's got to be real. So uh, you know, anybody that's listening, I apologize. I believe my Lord and Savior. That's that's what I believe, and yeah. I surrender and I do the best I can on a daily basis, and I try to give back to Him because He saved my life. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about that in the third step. Made a decision to turn my world life over the care of God has understood Him. That's my God. Is my Lord and Savior. As I understand him, he don't play games. Right. You know what I mean? He gave me life. He pulled me out of some badass shit. And I'm here today to talk to you. And I, I, I owe. Yeah. I do owe. I, I owe. I, I owe. I owe him. And I owe to others to share my experience, strength, and hope that if I came out of a place where I was slobbering on myself, I was seizuring. You know, I, I, I've been through a lot. I've been I've been raped. I've, I've seen things happen. I've seen people die. I got 15 years in the prison. I'm dealing with health issues, but I'm going to be okay. You know, then, then anybody can do it. You and you mentioned spread. the health issues. And we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, Lang. But I want people to understand, I never know if actual addicts watch or listen to this podcast or if it's mainly oh, yeah. people who are loved ones of uh, addicts sure. and former addicts. But... You need to know that long-term drug use destroys the body. I mean, quite aside from the spiritual and mental aspect of addiction, it literally destroys the body. And you, Lang, are going through some health things because of your addiction, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's very important to people, you know, the way I'd like to answer that. I just got off the phone with my sponsor. And I said, I'm going to tell this story that you tell me about great being grateful so being, I've created a lot of damage to myself with the prison. I've been through the trauma. You know, uh, I'm a meth addict, so I have movement. It's called cardinesia, langitis or whatever. You know, I get excited. Things start happening like that. Uh, uh, I, I have a rare disease called Bichette syndrome. And God gave me that because there's like two of us in Ventura. And, you know, I do, you know, I do stuff in the media or whatever. And they'll say, by the way, Lang, what do you have? And I said, Bichette. They said, yeah, we know you're full of shit. I said, no, I got And I said, and then I, I spell it to him. So I got a rare autoimmune disease that I have to take shots every two weeks. And I I, 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 I see somebody, you see a leg, 
And I just had two surgeries to get my eyesight. And it's an autoimmune disease. And there's no cure for it. But I can live mm -hmm. a life now because sobriety, you got to take care of yourself. Body, soul, and mind. Yep. I quit smoking. I'm losing weight. And I want to live. Yep. So the next thing is, is that I've done quite a few things and I was getting some stuff done on my teeth. You know, I, I had good teeth. I, I messed them up, the machettes and the methamphetamine, but I'm blessed. So the blessing is, is that we, we, we've done these things and foobarred our body <laughs> and, 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 and we're in the healing process. And what's happened is the blessing today is we get to take care of these things. Yeah. So what's happened is with the machettes, I'm taking care of it. I'm not, I'm not worried about hitting the pookie or, or finding a new light or to, to, to roll the ball. Now, now I'm making my appointments because I want to live. You know what I mean? And I'm yep. grateful for life and I want, you know, the humble. And I get to go to these appointments. So that's a blessing. People understand it. Yep. And it's funny. So the teeth, I had surgery because I can't have any foreign objects. So I went to UCLA and they're going to do something with the lower part of my mouth and, and give me a grill. You know, I've done a few things that it doesn't it doesn't look right, but we're getting it fixed. Yeah. Today, you're not going to believe this one. Today, I'm 60 years old on July 20, July 20th. Today, I'm going for a colonoscopy. Okay. At, at one o'clock, and because of my bachets, we have to do it in a hospital setting. Yeah. Because because I take blood thinners. Uh, so what's happening? I'm 60 years old, and they check me, and today's technology, I'll be okay. They said there might be something there. We'll take some biopsies. Yeah, I have to accept it, but by the grace of God, I'm able to do these things. And yeah, we, we do it. Well, God has a purpose for you. That's very obvious, and He's going to help you no matter what because you are creating change in the world and you are making a difference, and you are definitely helping yourself and you're helping others. And I think that's huge. Absolutely huge. Yeah. Lang, if you had a message to give to our listeners, what would that message be? Well, can I say one more thing before the message? Absolutely. Well, the mask I'm wearing, it's sort of like a plug, but it's not a plug. Is one is, is I've been very blessed to, to, to I, we have a fiscal sponsorship with NASCA, you know, NASCA Natural Association. And he also is looking for survivors. So you can go to NASCA.org and get on there and share your experience, strength, and hope. And I'm going to say, um, just because it's a little hard sometimes with a mask, but that's NASCA. That's yeah, N, N like N, Nancy, N, A, S like N, Sam, C like Charlie, A. And it's the National Association of Survivors of Child Abuse. Yeah, dot .org. And, dot and org. we're always looking for people that come on that show and, and share their stories about trauma. You know, yep. whether it's abuse at home. Bill Murray's been around forever, so... He's like a father to me. You know, he's been doing this for a long time. Bill Murray, the so actor, they, the movie star? No, not the oh, movie star, no. Sorry. So Different Bill Murray. They, did is they, they, gave me fiscal, they gave me a fiscal sponsorship. So what's happened is because of my connections and being blessed, we're, I have an, we're starting an organization called Nobody Knows But Me organization. Okay. And what's happened is we're going to hit hard. And what's going to happen is our platform is going to be it's no longer a secret. Right. So we're going to do a no longer secret. We're, we're going to bring awareness and kind of like do a takeoff because my story's Hollywood with, with that. Yep. So a takeoff in regards to bringing awareness to schools, bring the situation on the street in regards to child molesters, pedophiles, yep. people that hurt children. Bring this up. Bring the subject up. Don't go to the movies and want to bring it here and put it in your face. It's no longer a secret. Yep. And so we're, we're, we're going to, when what we want to do is I saw the movie 
And in the part of the movie, the guy gets real emotional when he finds the boy. And the boy wants him to go after his sister. And he walks in there and he says, uh, I'm going after the girl. And he says, well, now you're done here. And he said, the pieces of me are broken inside. I want to put them back together. That's what we do in addiction. And I saw the emotion and the thrill yep. when he went after the girl. And, and I saw what he went through. So I said, I got people that, that I'm very blessed to put this together. We want to honor and be able to give money and help out the families that have received these children and hear their stories, what it's like to raise a child like Lang or these ones that be tried. And yep. we also want to honor the men and women that do the job, yep. the ones that are on the trenches. So what happened is the foundation is basically an honor of a friend of mine, Kevin McDaniel. Kevin McDaniel is another person that believed in me. And uh, the day that we got the okay, I was at his hospital bed. Oh, no. This is for you, Kevin. He believed in me, and he actually bought me a car. And he kept calling my attorney, and he said, I believe in Lang. We're going to do this. And I just got him out of a detox. He was in a sober living. He was with me. And I called him. We were down in, we were down in L.A., and I called, and I could hear people yelling in the background. I called Nico, and I said, hey, man, what's going on with Kevin? And they said he's gone into cardiac arrest. Oh. So that day, it was last two weeks ago, I called the pastor, and he showed up. And uh, I got to walk in the room where his family was there. And I, I, this is in honor of his daughter, Riley. Riley, a shout out. Your daddy loved you. And I was able to go in there and pray with him. And my best friend, he, he died. So everything that I'm doing is in honor of Kevin, the foundation. And it's about his daughter because addiction is so fucked up that people don't understand it. And they say that we ain't capable of, of loving Kevin McDaniel loved his daughter more than anything. And her name's Riley. And I told her that whatever I do, it'll be in honor of your father. And it's for you. Because daddy loves you. I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, ma'am. So what I would say is, uh, what was the question? A message for our listeners. The message is, is that when you're caught up in an in, in addiction, when you have that moment of clarity that you don't want to live like this no more, I call it pulling the trigger. Pulling the trigger is, is when we're caught up in addiction and we're doing the things that we're doing, no matter who, who you burned out, we've run across people that God's put in our life that love us and that will help us. There's at least one. There's probably more. So the message is, is when you have that moment of clarity and you don't want to live like this and you don't have to go through what Lang did for 55 years, call that person. The moment of clarity is God put that person there. I don't care who it is, a liquor store guy. I mean, it can be the bar, anybody. Yep. Just, I don't want to fucking live like this. Make the call and just say, hey, fucking help me. Yep. Fucking help me. I surrender. I surrender. I'm willing to go to any length and just make that call. And then take correction and understand that because whatever you've been doing, this thing is broken. You cannot fix it. You cannot, you cannot do it alone. Right. Addiction, fentanyl, the lives that we live, 
finding life not on life's terms is it because we live like this and we think it's comfortable because it's advantageous to be in this four-block circle, to sit around and do the pookie. That's not life. Life is beautiful. To go to that premiere, I mean, you know, some, you get to do it, other people get to do it. But for me to go to something like that, it, it, it was off the charts. For me to be able to go to a movie and go outside and eat at, uh, at Cold Stone, you know, I could get an ice cream now with all the toppings. It's 14 bucks for a freaking ice cream. I can do that today. You know, you can fill up your pipe, you know, for 10 bucks or 15 bucks. You ain't got to do that. The joy of that and to be a sit down and look and to breathe the air, to go to the beach and walk it and really get in tune with what's really there. You don't have to live like that no more. Just make the call. You got to reach out. There's plenty of people to call, walk in, ask God, and just fucking surrender. And that's a great message. And as I, I say this every time, this time of year, because originally when I started the podcast, I had a young gentleman that was my co-host and he was a former addict. He is a former addict. And he, um, the point we would always make right around this month in September is don't think that you're doing anybody yeah. any favors by waiting until after the holidays. Oh yeah. Do it now because well, this is mental health month. Yep. Oh, okay. I yeah. don't think I knew that, but okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Lang, thank you for sharing your story. Um, it's obviously a very emotional story, but I appreciate you. Thank you for coming to the premiere. It was, um, it was quite an experience and I'm glad you were there and thank you for everything that you're doing. You're making a difference in the world and that is huge. Thank you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Um, God bless ma'am. Thank you for listening today. Once again, the organization that Lang mentioned is the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse, N-A-A-S-C-A. -A. You can um, check it out there, and if you have a story of uh, your own and you'd like to share it with them, it helps because the more people who tell the stories, the more it gets out, and so people don't feel like they have to hide it. Um, it is the end of September, and if you or someone you know needs to get into treatment, do it now. We are headed into the holidays. If you were to start treatment now, you could be clean and sober before the holidays, and that would be my wish for you. We'll be back again next week with another interview. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com.